0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about The Upper Room, please visit newroom.org. We've
1: been in a series on marriage for the last two weeks. Uh, It was on My Heart last November uh, to start prepping for this. And uh, so Larissa and I uh, took the podium and got behind the pulpit and just unpacked kind of our story and how our marriage works and functions. Um, which was really, really fun. I made one statement, and I think we talked about it, is that marriage is created to kill you. <laughs> I love the response. You were like, is that true? Um, now, if you lose your life, you'll find it. And, man, uh, a great marriage is two selfless individuals that will lay their lives down before one another. And, uh, and we just shared kind of our unique story and how we came together. Last week, Charla Brenneman. Good gosh if you weren't here you need to well not now but soon you need to listen to her sermon um she was it was like seal team six it was insane not not only i mean not only like what she said but her presentation it was just so significant charla i feel like something shifted and, and your story, I have walked with Charlotte since 2011. I have watched her walk in faith for her marriage. I have watched God raise her marriage from the dead. And, and listen, we're a, community, we're a community that believes in the supernatural. We love the supernatural. In fact, I got a testimony this morning. I woke up to a testimony, Bing from our equipping nights. It was in my inbox. It was a long story of someone who came here from South America. They were in Houston getting cancer treatment at the... Uh, uh, that place that's really famous for, uh, for, for cancer, and they had relatives here, and they had heard of this church that we actually be- believe in miracles, they came to an equipping night, the woman got a word from someone, she didn't speak English, someone got a word, uh, the word was spot on about a storm they were going through, that Jesus is the captain of the ship, he will get them through the storm, they went back to Houston, took blood work, and there was no cancer in her bloodstream. <laughs> Come on. Now that's significant cuz because we've been contending. I just believe that he's Lord of Cancer and the cancer will bow in the name of Jesus. And we just haven't, man, we're contending for that. We're we're trying to raise the level of faith when that happens that, man, this is our response, that Jesus heals it. And so it's so cool to have that. But for me, for me personally, like I love physical healing. I believe in physical healing. I want to go after physical healing. But one of the things that I have been contending for in my heart is for the healing of marriages and that that Jesus would resurrect dead marriages, lifeless marriages, because I've seen casualties in marriages as well. And to see What Charlotte had contended for and to see how the Holy Spirit moved in her marriage and to see how they both honored the Lord, submitted to his ways, and now they're walking in a blessing of life and abundance. It is so much fun. And so I just honor Charlotte. I've watched her go after the right tools, revelation. If there's a conference in town or within like a 60-mile radius of the city, she's going to get equipped to get tools for herself and for you. She talks a lot about having a tool belt like to, to, to be able to minister. She's like, I, I got this tool belt. Well, as I was listening, I felt like your tool belt has now turned into a full-on mechanic shop. <laughs> like, you... You are a full service station, and I feel like God, last weekend, there was an authority and anointing upon you, Charlotte, and I feel like people are gonna travel from afar to come and sit and learn what God has imparted to you. I feel like there is such an apostolic calling for marriages and relationships, and I wanted you to stand up, and I want us to extend our hand to Charlotte. I felt like we to acknowledge what took place in the spirit last week. And just say, as a mama, yes, you have to stand up. And as a mama in this house, we just bless you. We bless you as a shepherdess. And just you and Steve and what y'all have contended for. And I believe that you're the first fruits of many. And I believe that God is calling you to be a shepherd and an elder and an overseer of his people over marriages. And that you will see Lazarus arise. That you will see the dead raised. We just declare just the Father's pleasure over you. And just acknowledge in the natural, what's happening in the spirit. We love you and we need more of you, Charlotte, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay.
0: <laughs> I love you.
1: I used to office next to Charlotte and I was amazed at who would come out of her office. Like, like prominent pastors in the city, prominent pastors in the city's wives, prominent leaders in the city would come out of her office because they heard what God was doing through Charlotte's ministry. It's just really, really cool. Um, So, this morning, we're going to talk about sex. Take a deep breath. Um, We we got to. If we're going to talk about marriage, we have to talk about um, our sexuality. We have to talk about sex. I don't think it's coincidence that in um, worship, the guys tapped into what they tapped into. Uh, These guys are responding to the Holy Spirit. they, They set some songs up, the Holy Spirit comes in, and they start worshiping, and you're like, man, will they just move to the next song? No, they won't. Because uh, they're, 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 they're highlighting what God wants to author faith in the room for. God wants to author faith in his holiness, and I believe he wants us to partake in his holiness today. There's something about his holiness that sets us free. He is otherly, he is consecrated, there's no one like him, and he says that you, you in marriage are a part of a holy matrimony. It is a holy institution set apart for him. And man, the world, the world has just targeted covenant marriages, our sexuality, and man, many of us have, have, have been assaulted by that, have been wounded by that. And, and I just acknowledge that, but I want you to know that Jesus predestined you to be holy and blameless before the foundations of the earth. And and I just feel like the gospel the gospel needs to be preached into our sexuality. Like we've got to start applying it to this area of our life. It's so 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 crucial. So I'm gonna just gonna to, going to talk about that uh, this morning. It's gonna be fun. So put a smile on your face. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> um, I need to. I I usually start out with marriage. I had two disclaimers. Um, This morning I have uh, five, (laughs) so I need to start out with a few disclaimers. The first is one that you've heard many times. It's uh, listen for yourself. Uh, No like elbows, no eyebrows, no amen brother, looking at your, you need to listen for yourself. Like if you'll listen for yourself and your spouse will listen for themselves, like let's just expect Jesus to do what he is supposed to do in our hearts. Let's own ourselves, yes? So listen for yourself. Um, the second thing is, let's listen uh, for the present and the future. Um, this, this is not about where you've been. This is not about what you've done. This is about where you are and where you're going. So if you're on your second marriage, third marriage, fourth marriage, 13th, 19th marriage, we want this marriage to work. Amen. We all carry a history in here. And, uh, and the beauty is that his blood is sufficient and that his story is greater than our story, and we're being grafted into his. He is out to redeem, and I believe he, uh, he will do that uh, this morning. So let's listen for the future. Um, this is going to be a PG-13 message. So if you do have kids, I highly encourage you, Samuel School is open. Um, and it may push to the 17-18, so if you do have younger teenagers, just be willing to process things that I share and say. Uh, I also hope to make you blush at some point. Um, It it, it will. It's just I'm going to try to be as open and honest with you about my life uh, as I can. Um, I'm also uh, probably going to talk about things that may be uncomfortable for you, and that's okay. It's okay. All right. Pastor, go. Go, Pastor. Um, (laughs) So... uh, I'm using, um, you know, I'm still learning a lot. I don't have this figured out. Uh, I I have a past that's marked at this part of my testimony as I've shared, which I may get into a little bit. Um, But but I've gleaned from guys much older than me. Uh, You know, I think I'm going to be a great teacher in 20 years. and I'm growing into that. I've learned a lot, but I have a lot to learn. And so I've gleaned from guys much older than me, a guy that that I've listened to a lot, who's an expert, and I highly encourage you to to check out some of his stuff, is Jimmy Evans. He has a book called Marriage on the Rock. Um, I've taken some principles this morning from him, and so I just wanna set that resource before you. I've actually, uh, I'm gonna use some of his points. Uh, because he just framed some of the things in my heart really, really well. So I wanted to put that resource before you. So here's a couple more disclaimers. One, this is a sensitive subject. Uh, there's complexities, there's dysfunctions, there's abuses. Um, we could not possibly cover all the layers uh, that this uh, dialogue needs to cover. Um, this sermon uh, will be just that. I hope there's some practical tips that will help you and your spouse or if you're single, help you to prepare for marriage. Um, and specifically to see sex in light of how God created and intended it to be. Uh, but I just want to own that, 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 man, there's oftentimes no one-size-fits-all message for this, that your story is unique, that your marriage is unique, that your, your, your history with your sexuality and, and all that, man, Jesus is intricately involved in, and he's going to shepherd and pastor and is committed to sending the Holy Spirit to grow and nurture and heal these areas. And so I just want to a- a- acknowledge this is a big, big subject. Um, and so, uh, that, that just needs to be shared. Second thing is that as your pastor, I want this family to be a safe place. I want this to be a safe place that, that, that if this conversation and the weight of this sermon is, is heavy and it, it's on an area of brokenness, it'll, you could go, ouch, this hurts. And if you feel that, then you may need to reach out. You may need to say, Hey, we, we need help. And you want, I want you to know that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. We have a number of resources available to you, Sharla. There's couples that are willing to walk with other couples. We have workshops. We have ways that we can outsource certain things. We have counselors. We have a slew of things that can help you grow in your marriage and grow in your sex life with your spouse, grow in sexual healing. We have a number of resources, and we want you to find those. So please email us at marriage at Is that Cool. That's cool. All right. Is that cool? Y'all got me? Okay. Um, so I, I also want you to know, um, this is a safe place, that statistically speaking, one in four women, one in four women have been sexually abused. One in f- uh, six men have been sexually abused. Um, and so th- th- that's an alarming statistic. It, it really is. It's, it's an alarming statistic. And, and, and for me, I... I, I Here's what happened when I was 13, and I want to set this conversation up with this. Uh, two things happened to me when I was 13. First, when I was 13, um, <laughs> my parents uh, came to my brothers, and they said this. They said, listen, there's this tree. There was a recreation center Lake Island's Recreation Center. It was, had these woods and stuff you could go through, but all the kids were going to this tree, and my parents came to my brothers and said, listen, don't go to this tree. Don't climb it. You'll hurt yourself. Well, me and my buddies, uh, the next day, we got our skateboards, we went to the recreation park, we climbed up the tree, and I fell about 25 feet out of the tree. I landed on my wrist and broke my wrist in several places. I got up from that fall, I carried my skateboard to my parents. Not only did I disobey them, but I lied to them and said I fell on my skateboard. I wasn't at that tree. They took me to the hospital, they put a cast on my arm, and for the next, like, Four to six months, that cast sat on that broken bone and my bone was healed. I eventually confessed, I eventually confessed like to my parents, hey, I disobeyed and lied. Um, but I want you to know that like it was my left wrist. My left wrist, I haven't thought about it in a decade. Once it healed, I was able to like, I was able to play football. I was able to play golf. I was able to do all the things that I needed to do, even though I sinned and I hurt myself. Yes. That was when I was 13, but when I was 13 as well, something else happened that was in the realm of sin. In the realm of sin, um, I don't know if you could consider it sexual abuse. I certainly would call it assault, but I woke up and my my best friend was putting his hands on me in places that he shouldn't have been putting his hands on me. It was my first uh, orientation to my sexuality And and it caused a lot of confusion, it caused a lot of questions, it caused a lot of shame, it it caused a lot of like I was there was pleasure involved, there was guilt, like in my soul something happened. And what happened in that place is my soul actually fractured as well. My soul fractured as well. And, and, And and at that moment I didn't know how to put a cast on my soul. And so what I started doing is I started living from that wounded place, and it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I realized, oh my God, I had a fracture in my soul because of that moment and that assault. And so when I was in my mid-20s and I looked back, because of my wounding and because of my pain and because of my hurt, there was a litany of things that that wound had caused. I acted out sexually. It affected my relationships with females. I could never stay in a long-term relationship. I got into pornography. There was confusion about my sexuality and do I like boys or girls like there was a lot that happened because of that moment are you following me and so like like Paul would say it this way he would say sexual sin is different than any other sin if you disobey your parents and you climb a tree and fall out you can put a cast on your arm and it feels fine but in the realm of sexuality sinning in that realm affects you differently and it's a sin against yourself because you, your soul becomes twisted and hurt and you start to cover up and you don't know what to do with it. And that has happened to many of us. And I just want to say that this is a safe place for you to come out of hiding and for us to like bring light and love to those areas that you may have never discussed. You may have never brought it out. Your spouse may not even know about it, or you and your spouse know about it, but it's kind of the untouchable, unthinkable, we can't address it, but I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus is committed to redeeming you sexually. And I am standing, I am standing this morning as living proof that he can restore what was broken. He can restore it. And, and this area is an epidemic in our society. There are so many wounded men and women of all ages. And if we don't start talking about it as a community of faith, if this does not become a normal, regular topic for us, we will lose a generation. The perversion is only gonna get worse. The distortion and redefinition is only gonna get crazier. Like we're gonna move from two genders to 30. Like we're just gonna move from all, there's just all kinds of weird things that are happening. And and the truth is is that this is our source. God created sex for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. Sex was His idea, <laughs> <laughs> and that's really really good news. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you following me? Yeah. I also want to say one last disclaimer. <laughs> um, this could take some work. I know in grace, it's like he's done the work. But, but sometimes, like, man, in that, you got to fix your eyes on him. Yeah. And you got to get radical about doing what it takes to find healing. Like for me, it it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a service. It wasn't a sermon. It wasn't the anointed God that laid his hands on me. It wasn't a pill. It wasn't a counselor. It was a lot of things. And over time, man, he restored my soul. He's a good shepherd. Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want." And in the context of that, it says he restores my soul. He restores my soul. And He's committed to restoration of your soul in this area, and I just want to—I just want to raise a banner of hope for you, uh, specifically in your marriage. If—if—if if, if you're coming in wounded, and this is like a really hard subject for you, He is faithful. He's committed, and the Holy Spirit can transform you. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, uh. So those are my disclaimers. Um. Let me just give you three truths about sex, just a foundational understanding of sex. Um, God, 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 God created sex, and he created sex. Can you put up that point, bro? Uh, God created sex for pleasure and lifelong enjoyment in marriage. Everyone say, in marriage. Um, so in, in order to understand that, um, marriage, marriage, is centered, uh, marriage is centered upon covenant. It's covenant between a man and a woman, and they make, they make a lifelong covenant till death do us part. I will love you, you will love me, and God will empower our love. Are you following me? So the first mention of sex, the first mention of covenant is Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It's a really, really important scripture. Um, this is the first mention of the, why we're sexual, of, of the way our sexuality is expressed. It says, for this reason, a man, it's one that we're really familiar with, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined together with his wife, and the two shall become what? <laughs> one in flesh. Now, now in Genesis chapter two, this is before sin. This is before the fall. But what God desired for Adam, when he looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for him to be alone. And he made a companion for Adam that was Eve. And in the context of that marriage, you have to understand this. This is so crucial. It is a foundational truth that we have to understand. And and it overarches our covenant. But what God was doing is God was saying, I want them to experience what I'm experiencing. Because prior to Adam and Eve's covenant, there was another covenant that was established. And it was established before anything existed. Before anything was created, God had already made covenant with God. This is so, so vital that you see that the foundation. Have you ever heard the scriptures like before the foundation of the earth? Have you ever heard those scriptures? Before the foundation of the earth, before the foundation of the earth. So before the foundations of the earth, God had established something. And what God has established, can you put up, can you put up the round um, number two, I think it is, of the, the graph? This is what God had established. God had established this one. This is what existed before anything existed. God was in covenant with God. And here's what they had predetermined God the Father had predetermined with God the Son that that God the Father would send God the Son. And God the Son had already predetermined that he would go willingly, based on the Father's desire to send him, that he would go and lay his life down. Then God the Holy Spirit was committed to empowering Jesus because of the Father. There was this, this is called the covenant of redemption, but they were in covenant with themselves. There was perfect harmony, perfect union. It was like a holy huddle of them going, woo! We're going to overflow in our intimacy and love for one another and our commitment to overflow and create from this place and to source creation with all that it needs. And it knew, it knew when when Adam sinned, they weren't like, oh my God, what are we going to do? They were so secure and committed in their relationship to one another that, that that's the foundation of all that exists. It's the intimacy that God has with God. God, before anything existed, had covenant with himself, and they had family. God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. Like, there's this union and unity and covenant connection that they had. And from that, let there be light. You following me? So when God's looking at Adam, and he sees, wow, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. He creates Eve, and they were to model... They were to model or experience the same union that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit had. They were to to, to experience that in that circle. So when marriage was given to Adam, it was put in the center of this circle. Can you go to the next graph? Not that one, that one. So this is where your marriage is this morning. If you're in covenant with a spouse, You are surrounded by the power of God's love, his mercy, his grace, his life, and it is sufficient to source your covenant. Are you following me? Does this make sense? Why is this important? Why is this important? This is important because this shows you the security... The security of your covenant centered in his love. And what I mean by that is that his love in covenant, understanding his love, his love cannot fail you. It can't. This thing is so sure proof, like it is so Rooted and grounded when you get the revelation of where your marriage has been placed from God's perspective looking at you. And it's in, why is this important when we're talking about sex? Because it's in this context that he gives us this activity. It's in the context of a man and woman in in covenant with each other, surrounded by the God of redemption, who's going to reveal Himself and empower them to walk out the covenant that they determined to walk out. (laughs) So this is this should bring you hope. This should bring you hope if your marriage is broken. This should bring you hope if your marital bed is broken. This should bring you hope because you have God's power. His grace is sufficient in your weakness, and he's more committed to your redemption than you are. And when you surrender and you yield to that and you go, whoa, I need help. he, He sends the helper, which again is the Holy Ghost that's only solidifying and imparting what they agreed to from the beginning of time. Are you following me? So, so crucial. And every time when Jesus was asked about marriage, this is why it's important. When Jesus was asked about marriage, hey, Pharisees, come to Jesus. Say, hey, hey, is it okay for us to divorce our wife for anything? Uh, the, Moses said, you just give him a certificate. And do you know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't go into three principles about marriage. Jesus just pointed to one scripture. He goes, no, 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 no. It wasn't this way from the beginning. He points to Genesis 2:24. Paul, when he's writing about sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6, he points to Genesis 2.24. Paul, when he's talking to husband and wives and the way they relate to one another, in Ephesians 5, he points to Genesis 2.24. It's in that covenant, it's in that covenant that we make with him that sex, sex is found. Yay. So, It provides a safe context for you and your sexuality. It provides a safe context because after that, guess what? Adam and Eve, they were naked and unashamed. They were naked. They were fully exposed before one another. And there was no shame in that exposure. They weren't hiding. They weren't hiding from one another. They weren't wounding each other because of their hiding. There was full exposure and marriage should be a safe place for us to come out, come out, come out, wherever you are. Let's deal with it. And, 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 and I'm talking a lot about, about brokenness and woundedness, but, but I also want you to know that it's in this context that like from covenant, there's this creative expression that, that sex is, it's for enjoyment, it's for pleasure. Like if you think about God designing sex for marriage, he also designed us for sex and it to be pleasurable. If you look at our body parts, there are body parts on men that are, there's no other reason they're there except to bring pleasure to that man. There's body parts on women and there's no other reason that body part is there than to bring pleasure to them. Why is that there? Because God actually designed sex to be pleasurable, enjoyable for a husband and a spouse for the duration of their marriage. That's God's will. It's his desire. Amen. Yay. Dude, there should be some more amens. Amen. Good night. <laughs> you guys are like, <laughs> cut the air. Listen, the devil, says, the devil says this. He says, enjoyment sexually is only found in my, in my camp. You want, to have, you want to enjoy your sexuality, this is what it looks like. Do what you feel, do what you like. Dude, that is such a crock. Your sexuality and your sex, like that expression, it's nuclear power. It has the ability to destroy or it has the ability to fuel and empower. God wants you to enjoy sex and marriage, to have enjoyment forever. And so with that, you need to know, so, so God created sex. He created it for your enjoyment, for your pleasure in the context of marriage. And so with that, point number two is this. The parameters, the parameters around sex that God has placed around sex are for protection. They're for protection. So, so the, word, the word for sexual immorality in the Greek, do you know what the word for sexual immorality is in the Greek? Anytime you read sexual immorality, it's porneo, everyone say the word porneo. That's where we get the word pornography. So anything, any sexual expression, just to, to define this based on the parameters, any sexual expression that's not found in the Genesis 2.24 expression is porneo. It's really simple. I, I, like, I like take Genesis 2.24, does this fit into that? Does this fit into the context of my, if, if not, that fits in that side. And, 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 and porneo, porneo is, is extremely destructive. Sexual fantasy, lust, pornography, destructive. Uh, they're not God's intention for your sexuality. Right, and and I, wanna, I, wanna show you, I wanna show you the power of porneo really quickly. Man, I may need to break this into like a six part series. They <laughs> got so much here. Uh, Revelation 17. Can I just show you, this is, this is the most sobering scripture when it comes to sexual immorality. And he's talking about the end of days. This is the last days, I believe, we're if we're not in them, we're close to them. And it's the assignment. And it talks about two, there's two main characters in Revelation 17 in the end days. There's the beast and there's the harlot. Right. The beast and the harlot. And the harlot, the Greek word for harlot is the same word for immorality. It's porneo. So it's actually saying that there's a harlot that will influence the kings of the earth or influence the people of the earth. And in Revelation chapter 17 verse 1, it says this. It says, um, it says one of the seven angels come and, uh, and there's this great harlot. Everyone say great harlot. So she sits upon the many waters. The many waters are the influence of the earth. Go to the next scripture. And it says that, that uh, the kings of the earth committed acts of porneo, and those who dwell on the earth were drunk with the wine of her immorality. So here's what she does. She offers a glass, and it's a glass of immorality. Oh, oh, you're, you're sexually frustrated, you're bored, you're angry. Just check out, here's, here's, a little, here's a little glass for you, a little wine. Here's a little something to be influenced by. So he hands it out and you drink it. it. can look like a number of things, but let's just, you get it, you drink the immorality. And 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 then it it goes on and it shows it carries away in the spirit, saw the woman sitting on the scarlet beast, blasphemous names. Go to go to keep going. So this describes the woman again, verse five. It describes she's the Babylon the Great, mother of many harlots. But look at what she is intoxicated with, verse six. This is so sobering. Then I saw the woman, what was she drunk with? She was drunk with the blood of the saints. So in essence, this is, this is her assignment, sexual immorality on the earth. The reason the enemy is infiltrating the earth with this, it's not for the world, it's for the church, and it's to undermine the church's life. She wants to take your life from you, the life of your marriage the life that you have in the Lord, but as she offers you a glass, make no mistake, you're offering her a glass as well, and it's a glass of your life that she gets intoxicated with. Now, that's pretty sobering, yes? yes. So Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, talking about porneo. This will give you hope. So that's just the sobering reality of what porneo is. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6, verse 18, Paul says this. He says to flee immorality or to flee porneo. You got me, bro? 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee porneo. That's the word porneo. Flee, flee. Everyone say flee. Flee. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Now, this is beautiful, verse 19. This is beautiful what happens in verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Guess what lives inside of you? The Holy Ghost. Guess what empowers you to flee immorality? The Holy Ghost. Guess what you are because you've been purchased, bought by the blood of Jesus. You're a temple of the Holy Ghost. And so when the porneo, nasty, perverted, demonic influence of this age comes and knocks on the door of your heart, the Holy Spirit says, not this house this house has been blood bought. And he's actually going to say this. Look at this, verse 20. It says, for you have been bought with a price. How have you been bought? By the blood of Jesus. It's not on your accord. It's not because of what you've done, not done. It's because of what he's done. He purchased you. He purchased your past. You could be messed up, shut down, condemned, totally destroyed, a prostitute. You could be The worst of the worst, and the blood of Jesus makes you holy, set apart, cleansed, and whole. That's awesome news. That's awesome news. His presence transforming lives, his presence transforming your sexuality, your ability to relate to your sexuality and your ability to relate to your spouse sexually. The Holy Spirit has a word. The Holy Spirit wants to impart freedom. The Holy Spirit isn't like when you shut the doors, turn out the lights, I'm not involved. No, the Holy Spirit is like, I cannot wait to bombard that bedroom to show them the real intent of their sexuality. That's his desire. Jesus said, I'm going to go away so that I can send a helper. What does the helper do? The helper empowers the will of the father. And the will of the father is that you would have a healthy, vibrant, enjoyable sex life. the parameters for sex are for our p- protection. There's a lot, I think, as married couples that we can explore. I think the fences are pretty wide. I think there's like a trampoline. There's like a river in the back. There's a big backyard. There's all kinds of things that we can explore, but we just can't get close to the fence. Because when we get close to the fence, things come in. It's like a dam. All right, It's like riverbeds, riverbeds. Like the levee over here, when the, when, the, when the Trinity floods, it's so thankful that we have those levees. If those levees weren't here, we wouldn't be here. They would totally consume this area. Your sexuality is a riverbed in your soul, and in the right context, waters can flow, and they can flow powerfully, they can flow passionately, they can flow. But when you break those boundaries and waters start flooding into other parts of your life, it's all consuming. You used to not look at pornography, but now you're looking at pornography not just once, but multiple times a week. And now you're not only looking at pornography, but now you're thinking about this person in that way, and that person just grows and manifests and gets moldy and yuck and fungi before you can contain it. It's just everywhere. And the Holy Spirit's committed to to bringing that divine order to your soul and in your marriage so that that can flow in a pure, holy, righteous way. Are you following me? So parameters on sex for protection. Uh, God, number three, God created sexual differences. So let's talk about husband and wife. Um, God created sexual differences in us to make the relationship more fulfilling and dynamic. If You're different than your spouse. You are. Two halves make a whole. There's a saying that says, if you're both the same, then one of you is unnecessary. You're not both the same. You're different, and those differences should be celebrated and known. Sexually, here's, here's the way... statistically this is the way men are wired women are wired women are wired uh emotionally to find connection and then that leads to the bedroom there's an emotional connection that they need which leads to sex men men are not that way men typically sex actually comes first and then the emotions come second it's just how we're designed Emotions stimulate sex for men. Sex stimulates emotions for women. And, and it's amazing to me that we're the opposite in that way. It's like, why, would God, why didn't God just create us both emotionally? It'd be a lot easier, right, women? Like, let's just, yes, let's talk for an hour and then go to the... Like, that would just make so much sense, right? Like, what are you thinking, God? There could have been a better way. There could have been a better way. Right? Or, or guys, it's like well, we can talk after. Like I'm uh, be wide open, but, but like, come on, let's get in the bedroom, you know? Like, like, like we're we're different, and those differences can be celebrated. But why are we different? And I think I think it's this. I, I think it's this for for people. Says I think it's because God honors integrity, and what I mean by that, God honors selflessness in me honoring my wife. So I might prefer to do. It my way but I'm going to choose to connect with her first and as I connect with her first guess what I, I get what I desire like there's this connection that comes and the same with women right if we're preferring one another and we're serving one another and we're putting each other's needs before the other all of a sudden this thing tends to work and all of our needs are met women uh women so they was asked, what makes your husband most attractive? And, and in the survey that I read, and, and, and it wasn't like working out and seeing my hubby with his shirt off. Uh, it, was, it was housework. Uh-huh. There you go, guys. Go home and grab a broom. What are you doing, honey? I'm cleaning the house. no what it means is that a sacrificial man a sacrificial man pleases his his spouse a sacrificial man like like I was talking to my wife about like man help me understand she goes I love it when you study me I love it when you know my day and you meet and help me in my day when you connect with me on that level, when you, when you start to think of me and you start to think of things that I need that would serve me and you selflessly lay, all of a sudden, like, ba-boom. You know? But that's not always, like, the thing for me. Like, I'm not always like, how can I study low today, you know? But when I do that, there's integrity in it. And, and it's not that I'm just doing that so that I can... You know, score. It's not that. I'm not doing it because of that. I'm doing it because I love her and I want to lay my life before her and I want to connect with her and she's my desire. And then all of a sudden we get in this rhythm. Come on now. It's a rhythm. It's, it's a rhythm of life. It's a rhythm that, that flows. It's a rhythm that I give and I receive. You, you, you don't take. You give and you receive. You give and you receive and then you receive and you give. It's this beautiful rhythm of life, of me serving you and you serving me. Men are attracted to women when a woman honors and praises them. We, we have a desire to need respect. If you need, you need that emotional connection, that security and that love and that selfless like servant, we need affirmation. We need, we need to be honored and respected, even at times when maybe we don't deserve it. <laughs> you seeing us in spite of ourselves. Some of the most helpful things for me personally is when Larissa's honored me beyond my behaviors, when she's seen me beyond that moment. More on that in just a second. So let me just give you three ingredients uh, for for a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse. And this isn't exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think I think one of the things we, we need to do is we need to commit to one another in meeting each other in our sexual needs or desires. We just commit to that. Like I'm, I'm Jesus told the servant, the, uh, the servant was the greatest of all that his followers were to be servants. They were stunned by both his example and his message. Um, two selfless servants make a good marriage. And so for us to say, listen, I, I'm not gonna manipulate you. I'm not gonna manipulate you based on sex. And for men, I'm not gonna demand that you have sex with me, but but I'm gonna communicate to you what those needs are. Uh, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 7, 2 and 3, he would would tell spouses, he'd be like, listen, uh, fulfill your duty, that your your body's not your own. And there was this idea that that you're so connected that that you faithfully meet each other's needs sexually. Um, And there's many ways that we can please one another. And I think, I think it's worth a disclaimer here because I think in, in modern teaching, a lot of teaching has been emphasized on the man's need for sex. I even put it here, I, I wish I would put desire, but the man's need for sex, like the man has this need. And, and, and statistically speaking, uh, 20% of women desire sex more in a marriage, but typically the man desires sex more. And, and I think it's how we're hardwired. I think, I think there's some truth to that physically. But I do think we've exalted the need of man. And sometimes we put a demand upon our wives of you fulfilling my need. And through guilt and like demand, it's it's gotten twisted and weird. And I want you to know that like biblically, 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 you need to take that to the Lord first. Like Paul would say it's better for you to remain single, which means he must have tapped into something in the Lord, because he said not to live with a hint of sexual immorality. So there was something that Paul had tapped into the Lord, that it's better for me not to be married, even though I'm a sexual being, even though Paul, he, he wasn't a eunuch. Paul was single, though, and he honored the Lord, and he said, man, I can be about the Lord's business. So Paul had something with the Lord that fulfilled that in him. And I want to say this about women, and again, this is committing to meeting your spouse's sexual needs. Women, and, and men, this is true of men too, but... Um, You know, if you're just submitting to your spouse's desire to have sex and there's really no desire in you, like you just don't have a desire, you could take it or leave it, it's just not a big deal, you need to look at that. Like you were created to be sexual and your marriage, your marriage actually needs this activity. Your marriage needs it for the connection and like the way God designed it. Like it's really, really important for you as couples to come together in that way. But if there's not that desire in you, we need to look at that. There there could be a number of reasons. It could be brokenness, it could be that someone's demanding something from you. It could be that you have a, a fracture that you haven't dealt with, and the weight of that demand, just, man, it's easier not to go there. If those are the issues, then, man, I think something could be out of alignment emotionally. You can gather with people here and really explore that. Maybe there's something wrong hormonially, but we should all have that desire. It's God-given. Are y'all following me? So, so we just need to commit to that, and, and with that commitment, we need communication. We need to communicate. Outside of just the bedroom, I think it's safe to have grounds where you're communicating about this issue, communication of your sexual needs, desires, and allowing your spouse to communicate them. Um, There's five main areas that your marriage struggles with. Five. Communication, kids, in-laws, finances, and sex. Those are the five primary ways. Communication, in-laws, hello, finances, kids, and sex. So so we're talking about sex, but I think communication overarches them all. I think if we have healthy lines of communication, we can deal with the hardships that those other ones possess. And I think we have to learn to communicate to one another about our sexuality. Sometimes that's hard because of the shame involved with uh, sex. Some of us, it's never been modeled to us. I was talking to this one brother who's like 70, and him and his wife, actually, each year, they have a vision a vision casting deal for their year, and they talk about a number of things, but one of the things they talk about is their sex life. Talk about his desires, her desires. Like, they are just so on page. They have a vision for their sex life. He's telling me even, I I don't know if I should go here. He was saying that that some nights they have, like, his nights, some nights they have her nights, some nights they have our nights. Sometimes they have quickies, sometimes they have longies. Like, there's all kinds of, of ways that... That they have, they have communicated what it looks like to engage one another in that context. So communication is really important. It's a relationship. It's just like anything else in our relationship. I think communicating those things uh, beyond the bedroom is important. And then the last thing that I want to share is that you commit uh, to sexual purity. I think it's just so, so vital uh, that we commit to sexual purity. Um... And, and just, just fighting together for that. Um, here, here's just four things, five things that I put down, and I'll be really quick on it. Um, I will not allow my thought life to take me away from my spouse. I will not allow my thought life to take me away from my spouse. I'll take my thoughts captive. Lust, fantasy, they have no place no place in your life. And, and they come two merry two, 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 ways. Your, your eye gate, what you see, what you gaze upon, and then your mind. Your mind's the battlefield. So you take your thoughts captive, you, 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 you protect your eyes from what they see. Um, pornography is centered upon the mind, man. Pornography, if you're involved in pornography, seek help, confess, walk with brothers, walk with sisters, but get like really, really violent and aggressive about dealing with that because it will undermine your covenant. It's more than a computer screen. It's more than a moment in time. Are you following me? Uh, Number two, I won't develop an inappropriate emotional or sexual relationship with someone else. Um, I think think social media, I just want to address this really quickly. I think it's a a breeding ground sometimes for unhealthy connections with others. If you're a spouse, I would have complete access to those accounts. My wife and I used to share an Instagram account. We don't anymore, but she, she has all my passwords to anything and everything. I don't have a compartment that's shut off from her she has full access to me. And you need to have that with your spouse just to protect you. Um, You may be in a good season, but man, seasons are seasons. There's there's rough seasons. There's winter seasons. There's seasons sometimes where it's hard to connect. You're wrestling with that. And just to even in those seasons to be protected. Amen. Uh, I will turn the, this is really important. I will turn the unmet needs in my life to God and trust him for answers here's what I mean, you're not gonna turn to sin. If you're not sexually satisfied and you're frustrated and it's broken, you will not turn to sexual immorality for that. You cannot blame your spouse for your sexual sins. You can't blame your frustration with her for that activity. You have to take it to the Lord. You have to take it to the Lord. When you take this to the Lord, you begin to, to enlist the powers of heaven on your behalf and your spouse's behalf. Take it to the Lord and watch what he does. Watch how he answers your prayers. He has to be your source, whether for the good or for the bad. Um, the next one is, I'll be honest with God and others about my sexual temptations. Uh, just have an outlet for it. If it's your spouse, great. And if your spouse confesses it, don't beat them over the brow because they're confessing something to you. Be their priest. Pray for them. If that's not like, a dynamic that you have, find someone that you can have that with regularly and consistently. Amen? Uh, and the last one is, I'm not going to be close to friends. I think friendships are really important in alliances. But if you have friends, man, that, that don't honor the marital covenant, they shouldn't be friends. Come on now. That's good. Yeah. It's honestly, I was, I was on vacation a couple of years ago with some guys that I didn't know, and they wanted to go to a strip club. And the way they talked about their wives and everything else for the entire trip, it was so defiling, so degrading. I finally at some point stood up and I said, man, da 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 like, I can't do this. This isn't my view. Like, you know, they saw me as the pastor guy, but that's all right. But I just, I won't go on vacation with him again. That's for sure. And so just to like protect and guard your heart from the leaven, the influence. Because man, this is like that thing above all else, guard your heart for it flows the wellspring of life. And this is a wellspring that you need. Are you following me? Is this helpful? (laughs) Honey. I wanted my wife to come up because I knew I'd ha- she'd have to clean something up. So would you come and clean up something that needs to be cleaned up? <laughs> We're gonna pray, we'll, we'll pray for people, but um, I, I, I know in my brokenness, she, she, she was not broken. When we got married, I was broken. And she was a priest for me and she has been a great conduit of God's grace, his love, his truth, and his mercies to empower me out of my brokenness. So I just honor that.
0: Amen. (laughs) I just need, you need to know that I'm super uncomfortable. (laughs) I'm super uncomfortable, but the thing that I am aware of this morning is that Jesus is not uncomfortable with this topic. And as we've been preparing, we've been dialoguing, and it's been difficult to think about I mean the spectrum of experience sexually and and ideas in this room whether you're single or married I mean the spectrum is massive. I mean I and so we're we're preparing and we're thinking I'm like he's sharing something and I'm like but what about this person? And what not specific people but what about the person whose whose spouse is abusive? What about the person who has an addiction? What about the person who and it's the what about, what about, what about, what about. And, and this morning, it's something hit my heart. And the Lord, I, I, the Lord's like, it's time to raise up a standard for what I want. Amen. And I know that all of our experiences are way less than yeah. ideal because of the world that we came into. But the standard, if you're single, is what he said. It's not a hint of sexual immorality, which means he can empower us. He really can, and he will, he wants to. And it can start right now. And the standard in marriage, the standard in marriage is for both spouses to be meeting each other's desires and needs and for it to be completely intimate, vulnerable, enjoyable, life-giving for the woman and for the man together. And that I think and so I just I I felt like I kept wanting to as we were th- I kept wanting to cater to this mess and this mess and this brokenness and and I don't want to ignore that but I do want to say that I've, God's heart for us is so much more than most of us are experiencing. And I felt really convicted when Charlotte was sharing last week it was like if you're not if this isn't your reality then do something about it because it's what God has for you. You know, I we always say about I've heard Bill Johnson talk about healing and he says, you know, don't lower your faith or your expectation or what you believe God will do to your experience. You know, and so we're always talking about marriage and sex and we're always, you know, we, we you, you always hear it from a bro- broken people and a broken marriage and a broken and it's like, well, if just do this or just or, or we get it from the TV, or we get it from... And, it, and I felt him say, like, no, raise a, a standard. There's more. And I know that there's more for us to experience in the realms of intimacy and vulnerability, but I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to get there. I want, I'm hungry for it. I, it. I really believe Jesus paid for it for my healing, for my wholeness, for my ability to be intimate and completely vulnerable with my husband and to enjoy it. And I know that wherever you are on that spectrum, we can do that. I mean, you could just, I'm on the, I'm somewhere on that journey. And that was one thing I wanted to highlight this morning is that, that sex is a journey journey that when you're a newlywed if you've never had sex before i had never had sex before when i got married and so that was a journey of like how do, what is that? how do we do this i've never i i've never seen a pornographic image by the grace of god and i don't know what that looks like and so i had my only grid was like you know 16 candles or like some like movie that i I, I, it was, so it's a journey of you learning each other, learning yourself, learning how this works, learning how Jesus wants to be in the middle of that, how his, it's his desire for you to take delight in it. Really? Really? I mean, sit back and marvel. Let me give you an analogy. Do you have taste buds? You ever wonder why he gave you taste buds? He could have just given you hunger pains so that like when you were hungry, you knew would know that you needed to eat. But he gave you taste buds so that you could have chocolate and salsa and guacamole. <laughs> he gave you... Why? There's something about his nature. I want you to see this. There. There's so a good. delight. So there's good. a pleasure that he wants us to experience there's a mystery there that in religion we haven't yet explored or experienced so and there's i could i don't want to to for the sake of you know not being too graphic but there are other body parts that why did he give those to you they're like taste buds it's for pleasure and enjoyment and you have to think about the creator god and why who what is he like <laughs> That he gave us taste buds, and he gave us these. Who is he? What did he want you to do so with that? Good. Just always like whip yourself in the back and say, "No, no, 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 no! Don't like that salsa! Don't like it! Don't like it! Don't like it! Don't know!" <laughs> he gave it to you, and so I, wanted, I want to awesome. want you to know, as your leaders, that 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 journey is something that we're committed to as a couple, and we want you to go on as whether you're single, whether you're married, the journey of the standard of the Lord for his goodness to be experienced so good. in our singleness and in our marriage. And I could talk a lot more but but we're out of time. I,
1: I just want to hit on one thing really quickly. I yeah. know it's late. But the best thing Larissa ever did in, in my restoration process when we first started dating, um I don't think it crept into our marriage. But um I I was pretty broken. I had a lot of defense mechanisms. I I just, I'd built a world up that I didn't want her close to me, and I had a lot of walls. Uh, One of the things was a wondering eye, just wonder, like, whether it was a girl that walked by or whatever, and that was an issue early on dating. It hurt her. It really hurt her, and it became an issue in our marriage. We'd go out to eat, and whether I was looking at someone or not, it was there. I mean, it was like, she would give me the look and I was like, oh my God. I remember one time we were in a movie theater and I was like watching, watching uh, the previews but the lights were on and these girls walked in and then she started like badgering me about these pretty girls that walked in and I was like, oh my God, I, what? I was watching a movie, you know? But because that was present in our relationship, it was, it was a deal for her. And we got up out of that movie. We still haven't seen that movie. It was... Um,
0: Not gonna happen.
1: <laughs> um, and, uh, but, but listen to me, uh, in that season, I remember one day, um, something changed. And since that, since that season, she has never one time given me that look, given me that elbow, because what she did, and she honestly did this, she said, you're accountable to God. In this relationship, you're accountable to God. And this is, this is up to you to change him. And her releasing me to the Lord, actually something transformed me in that moment and set me free. Like, I, it's not an issue. It hasn't been an issue for almost a decade. But she was a part of that because of the grace that she gave me. She didn't beat me over the brow. She forgave me. She enlisted me to the Lord and said, Lord, you're gonna have to deal with this man if he's gonna be my husband. And guess what the Lord did? The Lord dealt with me thank God he did. And I'm liberated now. I I, just, the wandering eyes are not there. I don't have it. And so, um, I just, that's a way that she's loved me and, and forgiven me that was really helpful.
0: Yeah. I think I, 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 I remember talking to my mom and I remember her saying like, you are not going to be the most beautiful woman in the room enough to keep his attention. Like that you can't give up. You be, you be really good at loving him, being his um, partner. And I, I there was this stupid aha that went, oh, yeah, it's true. Like, I'm only going to get older. This is not, you know. <laughs> and I did. I give up. And I don't know this. I, and, and this is freedom that the Lord has given us is I don't monitor him. I don't. I don't. I'm not like. I'm not, when he's in a room alone and has a computer, I'm not monitoring him. I'm not worried. And I, is there a possibility that he could look at something that he shouldn't look at? Absolutely. But will the Lord deal with that? Absolutely. And so whenever I feel the least bit fearful about Michael's purity or where his eyes are going, if I, you know, you know, you know what fear and insecurity are like. When I feel that, I just start praying that the Lord would captivate his heart, that the Lord would put a fire in his heart for Jesus. And every time he does, and I see him like just start burning for God at a new level. And I'm like, and I know that if he's burning for God, he's not looking around at you guys. Okay? Uh (laughs) All you pretty ladies out here. Uh Um, but I I, I, that's something I practice and I would encourage you as a woman to practice that
1: yeah amen well let's let's be standing if you will Um, and I'm I'm the fruit of it like I I can't I can't honestly tell you like it, it I feel so even though I know I'm I'm still growing in that area and realm but man I'm the freest I've ever been and it's been that way for years like, it's just not an issue, the stuff that she's talking about. And so there's just hope. And no matter where you are on the spectrum, no matter where your marriage is, um, if you're single, man, it's such a good time to take care of some of these, uh, these foxes. So uh, grab your sweetie, if you would, and um, let me pray for you we'll just in this way. Uh,
0: Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about the upper room, please visit europe.org.